Welcome to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. As the founder and CEO of Peterson Wealth Services and a former jockey, Billy knows what it takes to successfully make it across the finish line. In this podcast, Billy and his team will help equine enthusiasts, business owners, and retirees identify their goals so they can improve their finances and achieve the future they desire. Saddle up and get ready to gain insight and strategies on how you can harness your wealth. Hello and welcome to Harnessing Your Wealth with your host, Billy Peterson. I'm Wendy McConnell. All right. So what are we going to be getting into today, guys? Today, we are talking about common money mistakes and the things that we see and the, the overall common things that people do that are detrimental to their wealth. There's five things that we're going to cover. So I'm going to jump in on the very first one, and that is letting emotions guide your investment decisions. Uh, we see this so often in our business. Right now, we're all dealing with this bear market, the uncertainty, the fear. People kind of take one of five actions I've found. Number one is they hide. They go into hiding and they they don't want to look. So they avoid looking at their statement. They avoid turning on the financial news. They just don't look, period. Second, they decide they're going to wait. They're just hoping for the sun to shine again, for things to get better, waiting for the all clear signal, the bell to ring of when they can start looking and when they can start feeling better about their investments. Third, they worry. They don't do either one, but they're really and have a lot of anxiety built up about what markets are doing. They're looking at it probably too often, and it's just causing them a lot of sleepless nights, uncertainty, fear, those kinds of things we've found can be very harmful to not only your state of mind, actually for your physical health has a lot, it is very much impacted by the state of worry. And this is definitely one of those things that people worry about and, and build up anxiety when they're looking at their money and their financial situation. Fourth, they decide to do, I would say, one of the worst things or probably the worst thing, it's just jump out. They decide they're getting out and they're not going to get back in or they fool themselves into thinking they'll get back in when things are better, which very seldom do they ever do. When they get out, they'll miss the lion's share, if not all of the return as it starts to come back. Fifth, this is what I'd say is the best move. They jump in. They take advantage of it. They turn the tables. They, they decide that nothing's seriously going to affect the long-term nature of their investment decisions, and they're going to buy while the opportunity presents itself or add money to their portfolio. This is the only thing I've found that actually allows you to play offense rather than defense. Remember, bear markets and bull markets, they they have those connotations for a reason. Throughout history, you're going to go through several of those in your investment life cycle. Bear markets, just think of a bear. What does a bear do? Think of hibernation, right? They hibernate. They go to sleep for a long period of time. And that's what you'll find a lot of investors doing during a time like this. With a bull market, I always envision a bull charging through the arena and they have people that they're trying to run, run over top of charging the matador with the red with the red flag what what's going on there is people are so excited about everything they're just running in all directions charging at everything 
And so they see a possible investment and they want to make it and they're not afraid of anything. So I want to make sure that people understand they have to temper their emotions. And especially in times like this, it's, it's really easy to fall prey to terrible emotional decisions, waiting for the all clear, selling and reduced pain, hibernating. So really got to go fall back on the long-term nature of the markets. Really, what do the markets do over the long-term? Think about that. Think about how markets will perform. And one thing that Sean and I were discussing yesterday is if you had a crystal ball, or if, maybe if you had a time machine and you were able to go back in time to several different events, and I'll just name March 8, 2009, <laughs> go back in time. If you knew now or then what you know now, what would you have done? Because that actually happened to be the low of one of the worst bear markets in our lifetime. And that was the financial recession that we all lived through. Very few people wanted to invest money at that point in time because they all thought that the economy was never going to get better. I was sure if you could go back in time, you would have probably done the right thing, which is buy as much as you possibly could. We have a little saying in the office, and it's probably more common in the industry, but you make all your money in a bear market. That's when you make your money. That's when the, the opportunity presents itself. Um, another thing that, that we see people get in, in these bear markets and they say, well, I'm not going to participate in my, my company-sponsored retirement plan. So when I say that, that's a long, long word, but like a 401k, people will say, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. I just feel like I'm just going to lose money. And, and that's a huge mistake. So participating in, in your company plan is a, is a beautiful thing to do. I mean, people fail to realize the long-term nature of those plans and what that can grow to over time. And again, taking advantage of market lows and typically those plans, you're adding to it every time you get paid. So it might be every two weeks, might be once a month. So if we're going through a down market, you're getting in at fantastic share prices on the funds that your money's going into. So I think that's important for people to, to realize. And the other common thing you'll see with retirement plans, 401ks, uh, TSPs, 403bs, that's what I'm talking about here is the company or the entity will actually match your money. So if you're not putting in, you're giving up free money. And I think that's important, and especially for younger investors. Um, it's so much on the individual now to prepare for your own retirement. You know, Back in the day, it used to be you go work for a company for a long time, you retire from there. And what did they provide you? A pension. It's great. You're going to get monthly income for the rest of your life. And as, as we know now, pensions have kind of become extinct. They're kind of dinosaurs. So it's all on the individual now to, to take responsibility and plan for their own financial future. And so what we do is we say, all right, look, you're 30 years old, you're putting away $500 a month and your company's matching part of that. Here's what that could grow to by the time you're 60, 65 years old. And that's usually really eye-opening for people. I think the biggest takeaway from this, which is number two money mistake, failing to participate in these retirement plans is people don't understand the power of compounding over time. And it's so critical that you start that when you're young. If you're young, I'm saying young, so 
under 30. I'm considered in the old category now. And they let me know that here at the office every day. Easy, but, bud. But it is important. Even if you're pet beyond 30, though, it, it just takes a little bit more effort. You have to put more contributions toward those goals because you don't have as much time to compound it. Don't give up those free retirement plan matches and contributions. And it's such an easy way to put money away for your retirement. And this is your this is a gift. When you have a market that's down like this, don't run away from it. This is when you ratchet up your contributions. One other thing, sorry, Billy, before you move forward, because this is a common thing we hear is 401ks don't make money or IRAs don't make money. And I think the misconception there is people think that the 401k itself is the investment. Well, that's not. That's just the suitcase, if you will. What goes inside the 401k, whether that's different mutual funds or uh, company stock or whatever, that's what's getting you your return. So it's very important that you sit down and you evaluate all of your plan options and make sure you're selecting the ones you feel like are best for you. Great point. Yep. Don't get misled on the investments inside of the plan itself. Third, I think a really big mistake people make is holding too much cash. And we meet with folks every week here at the office. And this is largely the business owner type client that we find is guilty of this mistake because they are so busy and focused on running their business and they accumulate a lot of cash, excess capital, and it just builds up in the bank. And so they don't have a strategy or a plan on how to deploy that or get that working. And I think some business owners assume that they'll need that cash at some point. So they just have this comfort level with seeing that number. And it's funny how we talk to different business owners and we ask them, what's your comfort number? What's the number that you need in there to feel good? And you know, it, it's really dependent on the person. But oftentimes it's, I need a million dollars in order to feel good about where I'm at. And then we probe a little further. How much do you normally use out of that cash to run your business? Oh, I really don't ever touch it. I don't need it, but it just makes me feel good. So we try to point out how big of an opportunity cost that is. When you have your money, you got to remember somebody or some entity is doing well with that. And in this case, it's the bank. The bank is using that and they're darn sure not just going to sit and bury it in the backyard, which is equivalent to what you're doing. Remember, we have huge amount of inflation right now in our, in our economy. It's running eight to 9%. It's starting to moderate a little bit, but you all feel that pain when you go see and you're paying your bills and you're paying your utility bills or you're buying your groceries. You see how much things are costing and how high they're going or increasing in in price. And so if you leave your cash sitting there, remember all that's happening is it's being eroded by that same inflation rate. So it's like lighting a match and burning a certain percentage of your cash every single month, depending on the inflation rate. The consequences are very, very real long-term, but it's hard to see them when you're living through it, just going about your daily life. And Sean always uses the the analogy of debt, death by a thousand cuts. I don't know if many people resonate or they understand that, but it, you don't, you do feel it, but it's not so present that you feel like it's, it's super, super important. But we, when we run our numbers and projections, people start to understand how serious of a mistake that is. So trying to remember that we have a bucket approach here when we're helping people allocate their money, their capital, if you will. We have a stable bucket 
the income bucket, and then the growth bucket. And every single client or household has a different combination of those three, a different percentage allocated it in those three. And if you need a certain amount in the stability bucket, for example, to make sure your business operates or for short-term funding needs or a goal, we'll, we'll allocate a cash to the position to that accordingly. But most, most of the time we find it's just a mistake because it's oversight or it's failure to see it or maybe even laziness. But getting that money to work and having the, the money produce something for you is just overall helping your net worth down the road. So make sure you don't uh, have too much money sitting idle. Very good. Um, the next one, number four here, I'd say is getting just too attached to specific investments or ideas. We see this very commonly with um, an inheritance. Say mom and dad have passed away. They had a, a portfolio of investments, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and kids, they kind of get they get attached to it. And letting go of those is very difficult to do. But again, we go back to the plan and say, does this make sense for your own plan? Is this going to make sense for your long-term financial future? And hopefully we we can show that. Now, there, there are cases where we say, yeah, that is a, an appropriate investment for you. We can continue on with that. The other thing is getting attached to a specific asset class. It might be you know, I, oh, I've always done well in, in real estate or my grandfather, he did really well when, when he purchased gold or uh, a very common holding here. I don't know why, but back in the day, everyone owned GE stock, right? You've got to have a diversified port portfolio. We've seen oftentimes, you know, people will hold positions right into the ground because they, they just cannot let go of it. And they're just so emotionally attached to that. And we, we feel like that could be a serious uh, detriment to their financial future. So we want to analyze those positions. We want to analyze the whole holdings. We want to assign a risk number, if you will, a risk tolerance to those and make sure that it fits up with what the client is comfortable with as far as ups and downs and, and variations in those, in those investments. One thing I would say how we provide a little bit, shed some light on it, if you will, is ask the client to consider the amount that's invested in those particular securities and ask them to envision the scenario. If we gave them that amount in cash, would they choose to put it all back into that same security if they had the choice to do it over or to start from today and moving forward? So again, they have to rethink that and it makes them sit back and, and decide, is that appropriate? Or am I just holding that because someone told me to, a mom and dad owned it for a long period of time. And I've, I've developed a sentimental attachment to that particular security. Things change. And GE is a great example. And I can list so many businesses that were very, very well-known, very widely owned businesses for, for many shareholders, both individual stock shareholders and through mutual funds. So even mutual fund companies were fooled. But Lehman Brothers, for example, who, which went out of business during the banking collapse, WorldCom, all kinds of fraud was going on there. They were one of the most widely owned companies in the world. Lucent Technologies fell significantly on some fraudulent reporting. Tyco was another one. Uh, Enron was another one. We all remember <laughs> some of those from 20 years. One, one thing I want to point out, since you pointed out my youth, Billy, 
<laughs> There's a lot of, um, especially in, in Utah, and we see it in California too, you've got a lot of these up and coming technology companies, right? That are just booming and they go public and their employees receive a, a large amount of the shares, right? And they're in, they're in love with them and they they don't realize the risk of being in a highly concentrated position. You know, they think there's no end to this road. And I I can think of a handful of local companies here that have already been delisted from the exchange. So you don't want to get fall too in love with your your holdings and you want to know the the long-term impact of those and if it really makes sense or if it's you know, you got to take profits at some times and sometimes and you got to diversify out so your whole financial future is not at risk. So, so important and such a big conversation topic. We could go on and on and on about this one, but it's, we see it so often people get, they buy into this thrill or this belief of speculation of how well this company is going to do. We've dealt with that right here with several clients who've brought certificates in of small companies that they've heard it's going to quadruple in value in just a short period of time, like a penny stock trading at $1, but it's going to go to $7. And they're, they've already added up <laughs> through their calculators, how many millions they're going to have in value. And it's just pure speculation. You know, the tr- stocks trade those cheap levels for a reason. So don't get too caught up in uh, allocating money to these, these low 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 price stocks. It's a huge risk. Last point here in these common money mistakes, fifth and final, putting tax considerations ahead of your investment choices. And we call that letting the tax tail wag the dog. This is very common. People put taxes as the main priority of their focus with their investment. So they wait until their meeting is finished with their accountant or their CPA and then they, the CPA might say, yeah, you should probably do an IRA contribution. And so then that's, that's when they actually take action to do it. And they don't really care about what's the valuation of the investment, what, what would have been better to maybe make that contribution a year ago, because that was when I started becoming eligible during that tax year. Should I have spread that out over the whole year? Should I have been co- contributing to another retirement plan? You know, They sit and wait until the accountant that tells them it's going to help them from a tax standpoint. So again, that's not the reason to be investing. And the other thing is they decide to maybe not sell an investment just because they're scared of triggering a capital gains tax on that investment. So I think it's huge to know what it is, what what are the reasons behind holding the investment or making the investment, and it should never be taxes first. One other thing we see people doing with regards to this is owning a property. So real estate, there's a tax loophole out there called the 1031 exchange. And this is quite often a very good way to avoid taxes for those people that are in a high tax bracket and they want to just delay it for a short period of time for whatever reason, if it's legitimate reason. But when we see people choose a 1031 solely for the purpose of kicking the tax down the road, we tend to have a problem with that because oftentimes, and we've seen this happen more than not, they get locked into another property that is not appropriate for them, that is then illiquid or potentially overpriced when they do it. Remember, when you sell a property, you're selling typically because the price is right. You're, you're getting a good valuation for that. And if valuations are good, then when you, as a buyer, then valuations are high. So it, it sometimes doesn't make sense to sell a property and immediately buy another one. Maybe you should sell it and wait for a while 
if, so prices can cool off or you can find something that makes more sense to you or does another property make sense at all? You know, people sell properties a lot of times because they're tired of the hassles of it, the property taxes, the maintenance of it. The, uh, and if you're a renter or, or somebody who owns rental properties, you're having to continue to worry about who's in and out of your property and re- keeping it rented. Are they making their payments? So it's not all just wonderful upside and smooth sailing when you are a real estate owner. Not saying it's a bad thing. Most all of us own real estate, but keeping it diversified and in context is huge and not letting taxes make your soul, make your decision for you. Finally, as we see this all the time, is purchasing equipment solely for a tax deduction when you get to the tax <laughs> filing deadline. And we see this all the time in our business. We, lo- we work with a lot of ranchers and farmers and horse people. And so the common thing there is, well, I needed, uh, I needed a tax reduction. So I went and bought me a new truck <laughs> or a tractor or a plow or a trailer. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, didn't you just buy a truck two years ago? Well, yeah, but my accountant said I'd get a tax reduction. And I might as well just buy me a new one. Um, I just think that's bad money management. It's just a poor choice. Because what happens as soon as you take that truck off the lot, as soon as you sign the form, <laughs> it's lost five to 10% of its value, at least in normal times. So buying equipment, all you're getting is that tax deduction and then a, a depreciating asset that's not helping you with your retirement at all. It's actually setting your retirement back. Potentially, you wouldn't want to look at a vehicle where you could put money in and it grows over time and get the same kind of tax deduction. So that's where we say, let's be smart about where you're putting your money in if you need those assets or if you're better off just paying the tax and putting the rest of it into some sort of an investment account. Those are the five common money mistakes that we see people make. We hope that you have found some information here that's worthwhile and informative and help you make some choices that might be positive on your 2023 financial well-being. Appreciate you joining us today. That is one thing that we do not want to make mistakes about is with our money for sure. (laughs) So Billy, how can we get in touch with you? Best way to reach out to us is through our direct phone number, 801-475-4002. We're here to answer your questions. We're here five days a week, and we'd love to talk to you if you have anything that you'd like to discuss or uh, unbiased questions that you may have about what we talked about or even things that we didn't. All right. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Sean. And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. Before we declare the race official, please click the follow button so you can be notified when new episodes become available. For more information about today's show, please check out the show notes. Visit our website at www.petersonws.com or give us a call at 801-475-4002. Once again, thank you for listening. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Peterson Wealth Services. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.